Today we are wrapping up our series called Blessed, which has been based on the Beatitudes, Jesus' teaching to his disciples and the multitude that had gathered. So you can follow along with me as I read out of Matthew 5. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is the reading of Jesus' words to his disciples. Amen. Thanks, Camille. So, as she said earlier, this is the last week in our series on the Beatitudes. Next week, we're starting a new series, and it was inspired by this book. We don't, I don't typically do series inspired by books. It happens occasionally, we, other than this book. This is what we usually just kind of follow through in some certain thing. But, but this book is called Gentle and Lowly, and Dane Ortland, the author, points out that there's only one time that Jesus describes his own heart. Only one time. What does he say the one time he describes his own heart? How does he describe his, his heart? How would we expect God to describe God's heart? And depending on the translation, meek and lowly, gentle and lowly, gentle and humble in heart, which is very different than the heart and the spirit we run into in the world, which is very different, frankly, than the heart and the spirit I live with. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, when, by the way, this book, we're going to, I don't know what happened with Amazon, they're late, but we're getting these books, if you get them on Amazon, they're $15, if you buy them from, and do that that way, otherwise, if you want to pay 10 bucks, we'll give you this book for 10 bucks. we're losing money on the deal, but we're helping people read the book, uh, just, to dis just full disclosure, like they quote Puritans a lot in this book which I'm not really a Puritan guy, but I've, I've become one. So when I read this book, I read a chapter a day very slowly. There will be a chapter every two weeks, and usually there is like one verse in each chapter, and whoever is speaking that week is going to pick one verse. And instead of just blurring through to the next thought, we are going to sit with one verse that describes his heart so we can learn about his heart. Because even though Jesus only talked about his own heart once, the Bible talks about God's heart often. And we get to learn about his heart. And we become more like him as we learn about his heart. So, 
If you want a book, we can order you one. Uh, just go back to the information booth if you'd like that. We're going to start that series next week. Now, we're finishing up this series on the Beatitudes, and I had more sermon slides than normal and found out 10 or 15 minutes before the service they didn't, they didn't save. So we could have quick got them all back in there, but made, made me think like maybe I was on the wrong track. So at some, so I don't know what we're going to do for sure. Well, I'm going to start like I was going to start anyway, and we're going to see where we go. You can pray that it's not long, right? You know, I mean, yeah, you thought I was going to say something different, but really when I'm not as focused. Okay. So what we've been talking about for weeks is these sayings of Jesus, where he says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He says these, these characteristics of people, and then says, here's the kind of blessing you can get from God. And we've talked about that for eight, eight weeks. We went through all eight, and when we talked about for nine weeks, uh, talked about blessing, but we've gone through all eight of them. And that is often a good spot to stop. If you're going to chop up kind of this Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes all by themselves is a good spot to stop. But what I'd like us to look at today is what if we take what he says right after he goes through the Beatitudes and we connect them to the Beatitudes. So uh, chapter 5, verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Then he says, you are the light of the world. A town set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people that they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, what about these verses connects to this blessed are you, blessed are these kind of people? They'll get this. Blessed are these kind of people. They'll see this. What is the connection? Well, I think we are talking about God sending blessing on people, including people that it's unlikely that the blessing would come. It's, it's, you don't expect the blessing to come in this way. The world wouldn't see these people as blessed. God blesses, God blesses, God blesses, and then he says, I've blessed you to be a blessing. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I want to bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you. And I want you to go and bless people. I have blessed you to be a blessing. When you put those two things together, that's what I'm hearing. But where I really got stuck this week is thinking about why did he pick these two metaphors? What is it about these two metaphors? There's something similar about what he says. Salt of the earth, light of the world. And yet... He picks two. He could have just went with one. Hebrew poetry often will take two ideas that are similar, that kind of say the same thing, but do it in different ways and put them together. So I think he's doing that there, but I just kept thinking about salt of the earth. Salt of the earth compared to light of the world. Like when I think of salt of the earth, earth, I think, okay, we are on some substance here, earth, dirt. Let's, you know, it's, you can see it's salt, you can touch it, you can, it's physical, it's visible. In what ways are we to be salt of the earth? I think it is in tangible ways. When I think of salt of the earth, I think of people just doing their job. I think of people doing the right things for the right reasons. 
everyday life, caring for neighbors, taking responsibility, accepting consequences, all kinds of things. Salt, when, when I think about salt, I often think about um, flavoring, you know, adding flavor or bringing out flavor. Because I'm from Minnesota, I think about being trampled underfoot by men because it's good against the ice. But what they would have thought most about back then is that it preserved the meat. They don't have electricity. They don't have refrigeration. They are using salt to preserve the meat. If they don't have salt on it, it's going to go bad. It's going to become disgusting. It's going to decay. Now, the earth, where we live, if we don't do the right things for the right reasons... If we don't have people who are just doing their job, who are just showing up, who are just being kind in everyday ways, we deteriorate. And guess what? We're deteriorating. And Jesus says, in a world that's deteriorating, you can be the preservative. You can. He says, but don't lose your saltiness. Now, in one way, that's strange. Because salt is salt. The only way a salt couldn't remain salty is if it became impure, if it, if it got mixed together with something else so it's no longer doing its job. So how do we so stay salty? I feel like that should be the new Celebrate t-shirt. Stay salty. Let's stay salty. I kind of really actually do like that. And then someone said, well, someone else has that t-shirt. I don't care. I still like it. Stay salty. So we're going to talk about how do we stay salty. But first, I want to contrast this salt of the earth to light of the world. Now, the world can seem like it's just the same thing as the earth, the cosmos. But the cosmos can mean like all the people in the world. The cosmos can mean like the systems, how the world systems work, which is a little less able to just grab onto. It doesn't feel as much like dirt. It's something else. And then light... What is light? In fact, I got to thinking about this. I'm not super intelligent. So I'm thinking about what is light? Sorry, I got a text. No, I'm just kidding. Because um, so I have, I talk with Elliot, my son, and sometimes I forget he's pretty smart because, you know, he's like playing Brawl Stars and we talk about, you know, how good the Detroit Lions are going to be and soccer and stuff like that. We don't really talk about these other things. But I thought, I bet Elliot would know. Like, I'm thinking, is light matter? Well, it's not really matter, but it's not a gas. It's not a liquid. I'll just text Elliot. Within a minute, this is what he texts back. For dramatic effect, we pause. Okay. I said, is light physical? Like, is it matter? If not, what is it? Is it a gas? He says, light is, he texts back, light is a particle in a wave. Oh, it's a particle in a wave. It's called wave-particle duality. At times, it behaves like a particle. At other times, it behaves like a wave. Okay? <laughs> Next text. That's where the electromagnetic spectrum comes from. Things like radio waves, microwaves, ultraviolet light. Electromagnetic spectrum. I just, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> no, I do that. He goes... He goes, I'm pretty sure light is a form of energy, not matter. It's radiation. It can move like it is a particle, which would make it like matter, but it also has wave-like properties because it isn't matter, kind of like sound waves. How's Brawl Stars going? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, so, you know, I'm, some of you know physics and things like that. I don't. 
But the thing that struck me as I was rereading, you know, these things, dual par particle matter things, is that light is like a very unique substance. Like it is tangible. There is something about it that's like tangible, but not quite. It is energy, but it's not just energy. It, it is, and it is so everywhere. Like we need it, we use it all the time, and yet how do you exactly do you describe what it is? How exactly do you measure it? How do you, how do you do these things? Well, spiritual light is similar. Spiritual light shows up all throughout the Bible. I mean, right off the bat, I think it's both physical and spiritual light. God says, day one, let there be light. That's where the Bible starts. First few verses, let there be light. Guess where the Bible ends? There will be a city, a holy city, where the Lamb will come down and God will come down and there will be no more need for lamps or lights or the sun itself because God will be the light. That's where it's going. He will be the light for the nation. He is the source of light. And it says, it says that God is light. In him there is no darkness. In him was life, and that life was the light for all humanity. Light and life go together, and Jesus is the source. Jesus is the light of the world. This spiritual substance, which how do you describe it? How do you, I, don't, I don't quite know how to describe it. I don't quite know what it is, but it's real. It's tangible light. So, how does one get light? What exactly is light? There's another part in Ephesians chapter, I think I do have this, Ephesians chapter 5. It's a longer paragraph on light, but it says, The fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. I thought, well, that's pretty close to getting to a definition, except for it's not saying that's what light is. It's saying when there's light, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get good, goodness, you're going to get righteousness, you're going to get truth. You're going to get these things. Light is going to help us see. Light is going to help us live. So stay salty, and then in this passage, and let your light shine. Don't hold it back. Don't hide it. Let people see light. Now, I'm wondering if back then, they're thinking the same kinds of things we're thinking, which is when Jesus doesn't say, well, here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, try to become the light of the world. Hey, you have a chance to be the light of the world. He just says, you are the light of the world. You, you're following me, you're following in, the, in God's kingdom, then you are the light of the world. The question is, how bright are you going to shine? That's the question. It's not whether or not you are the light, it's whether or not you're shining, whether or not people are seeing light in you. And so while the salt of the earth to me feels more like, and, and I don't, it could, they're both both, but it feels more like do good things, be kind, be responsible, be you know, tangible good deeds. I think the light has this supernatural quality to it. Sometimes it's spectacular, sometimes it's just Hard to describe, but it's there. So I was talking to somebody after the service yesterday, I don't, or last week, I don't know how we got onto this, but we, we were talking about my friend, who was, he's a professor, he's brilliant, and he was not, he's not a follower of Jesus. Was not. As I'm going through school, I, I get, he'd invite me over to his house, then after I graduated, we'd get together once 
every two weeks at least, and we'd still, Camille and I would go over to their house. And I would have conversations with him, trying to convince him to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus. He, he, knew, he read more spiritual deep books than I had read. He knew more about Christianity than I did. He was kinder than me. I mean, it's just sort of like, this is not working very well. I'm trying to convert you to like, but I actually would like to be more like you. But anyway, I'm trying to convince him to, to give his life to Jesus. And after years, he calls me out of the blue. Well, you can stop praying for my salvation. So, yeah, I'm, I'm believe, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus now. So we get together. I am curious, how, does this, how did this come about? After all, I mean, there is nobody. I was more, over a longer period of time, more focused on trying to become a believer in Jesus than this guy. So I was like, but he had all the answers. I don't know how to. And he says, well, it kind of comes down to three things. One was his high school science teacher. It's like, he's the smartest guy I've ever met. And he believes. And I got to thinking, how arrogant is it for me to have these intellectual questions and doubts when a guy way smarter than me can get past it? Okay? The thing that put him over the top was, (laughs) this is just funny to me, after all the things that didn't work, was he was taking a nap, woke up, there's a Billy Graham crusade going on, Michael W. Smith singing Friends Are Friends Forever, and somehow that connected him to when he did kind of, and he was like, I just can't, I give up. I'm going <laughs> to. But the thing he told me before that, and now here it is, like here I am, right? Is that he said, when Camille Sharp was a freshman, I came, she came in, I had an interaction with her. Camille didn't have any classes with him. I had many classes with him. Maybe that was part of the problem. Anyway, <laughs> and he said, She had something that I wanted. There was something in her, and I wanted that. That really made me mad. (laughs) I mean, it did. It did, kind of. But you know what I think that was? I think that was God's light. And I know Camille well enough to know, like, lots of times she doesn't feel like she's shining bright. Just like lots of times most of us don't. But if we're connected to the light, you have to know there is more going on than we realize. He can do more. He can shine brighter to us. But how do we stay salty? How do we shine brighter? Let me move towards, towards, towards the end with um, talking about this Old Testament example of light again. So Moses would go to the tent of meeting. Moses is the leader of God's people. He would go to the tent of meeting, it says, and he would talk face-to-face with God like a friend in the tent of meeting. Nobody else went in the tent of meeting, just Moses, maybe Joshua, his aide, went in the tent of meeting. Everyone else, when they saw that Moses was going to the tent of meeting, they would, like, they would worship. They would see kind of the cloud descend into the tent of meeting, and he was in God's presence. He was in God's presence. And at one point, he's up on the mountain, He's talking with God. He's bringing down the the stone tablets, the law. He brings it down, and he gets down there after spending time with God. And his face is so bright, they say, put a veil over. Like, put a lampshade on. You're bright. They couldn't take how, how much light was coming from his face because he had been in the presence of God and the glory of God and the light of God was, was still there. There were after effects. And so he would, for a season of time, he put a veil over his face when he was around people, and then when he went to talk and be with God, he would take it off. 
And the New Testament comments about this. It comments about this thing. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, this is the Old Testament law, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Then he goes on to say, like, so this, this is a glorious thing. Like, can you imagine light coming from a person's face so much that everybody's like, whoa, because he's been with God. He's got God's light that much on him. And he said, you know, that's super glorious. But the glory that's now because of Jesus and his spirit is so much better. It's so much more long lasting that the other one can't even compare to it. That's what it says. And then he goes on to say, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing. Going on a little bit later, even to this day when Moses is read, the first five books of the Old Testament, a veil covers people's hearts. When they think that they can get to heaven, when they think they can get to the kingdom of God through just obeying the right things, through being a pretty good person, when they think it's just that, there's like a veil over their eyes. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's a mouthful. We all, we all, with ever-increasing glory, ever-increasing becoming like Jesus, ever-increasing having God's light, ever-increasing brightness coming. How? We turn to the Lord. We give our attention to the Lord. How did it work for Moses? He was talking with God, listening to God, in God's presence, and then he carried God's presence. What if the same could be true for you. What if? Well, how about this? What this says is it is true. It is true for all of you. For anyone who turns to the Lord, we have access to that light. And, and the more that we are in his presence, what does that even mean? The more that we are focused on him, engaged with him, just paying attention to him, the more we have his light. When it says you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, that is a plural you. That is a you, us, we. That is why what we have been talking about around here in recent months is that one of our main focuses moving forward is we just want to gather we want to gather people in his presence because it is a us. Gather people to help us pay attention to who God is around his word, around worship, around prayer, because we're not meant to be like individual, we'll just do it by ourselves. There is, there is decaying, deteriorating world out there. There is darkness out there. But we can encourage one another, let's turn to the Lord. Because in him is light and, and there's no darkness. So we're trying to gather. So spark groups, 
just first steps for some of us to connect with other people. First steps with other people to connect with other people to say, we are in this together. Freedom, for those of you that signed up, is a way to, so we don't lose our saltiness. So the brightness comes. The upper room, which starts this Wednesday, I, I do not understand it. This summer we did men's prayer. There was women's prayer too, but I didn't go to that. Men's prayer. And when I am in this situation where it's just worship music, me on my own praying, some people, but with others, the thing that I usually describe it the most is I just feel filled. I don't know what I'm being filled with, but it's, it registered with me in getting ready for this message. Like, it's light. Like, we're in his presence. We're turning to his presence. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just sitting here sometimes. I'm just listening to the music. I don't even, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm not like being super spiritual, but we, I'm showing up, and other people are showing up. And sometimes when I, a lot of times, when I show up and other people are showing up with the purpose of, we just want you, he comes. So we gather in his presence, but it's for this reason, so we can go with his presence. We are gathering to go with the presence of Jesus, because then our light will shine bright. When I talk about the news with people, with Paul, about politics with people, about mask or no mask with people, about vaccine or no vaccine with people, you just have this like... And sort of like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. I mean, this political system is so broken. We, we disagree so much. Either we don't know or we think we know and we can't believe the other side has got so much that, you know. And it just... What I'm struck by in this passage is who Jesus is talking to. God comes as a human being to change the world, to change the eternal destiny of the human race, and he does not show up at Rome when the Roman Empire is at its height. He shows up when the Roman Empire is at its height, but he doesn't go to Rome. He doesn't go to the palaces. He doesn't go to the people in charge. That's not where he goes. He doesn't go to the, the Greek, the higher education, philosophical schools of the Greeks. He doesn't show up at the people with the wealthiest resources. He he, that's not where he goes. These people are small town people. These people are people with lots of problems. These people are people who don't feel very good about themselves. That's who he's with, a multitude of them. And he says to those people, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You can change the world. I'm choosing you. I'm doing it this way. It looks quiet. It looks, but you can reverse the deterioration. You can bring light into the darkness. That's what he says to those people. That's what he's still saying to us. You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world, and so we need to keep turning to the Lord, to his presence. There's light there. I don't even understand it. I don't even understand how it works. But it is real. It is what's needed. It's what brings life. I'm going to shut up. Let's have the worship team come up. Before, we're going to go into a, a little closing time, and that could be a time when we pray um, or worship or do what. I'm going to pray that light comes in. Well, just 
Does anybody else want to pray? Amen. Who said that? Come on up. Camille, bring a mic. <laughs> that sounded exactly like you sound late at night. <laughs> Does anybody else want to pray? I mean, I don't know if you actually want to. You said amen, though, right? You want to pray? Awesome. I know nobody's going to want to. You're going to go last because people are like, I don't want to follow him because he had that big, they had that really good amen. Uh, yeah, come on up. I'm looking for just like two or three other people. We want to be the light of the world. I want people to pray in whatever way the Lord leads you to help us be light of the world, salt of the earth. Anybody else? I'm looking for one or two more. Service gets shorter the quicker one or two more come. <laughs> I will call on people. You know I've done that. Who else, Lord? Make sure it's on. Yeah, good. Are you sure? Are you raising your hand? Yeah, come on up, Jody. That'd be great. This is good. Let's go with this. I'll be the. I'll. I'll also pray. But yeah, start with Jody and just hand off the microphone. That'd be great. Let's pray. Good Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time and space to be together, to be in your presence, to seek your presence, to know your life and light. And we pray that over our children, over our families, over those who are with us here now and those we wish were with us, those who can't be with us, we ask for your light to permeate us, this room, this space, and to be filling those spaces in homes and places for those people who we long for to know your life and light. Maybe people who haven't been able to go to the places where they have been filled with light, who have been afraid, who have been ill, who have been overworked, who have been scared. So go, go to those people, Lord, and send us. Send us. Give us your direction, your discernment, your will. Give us your feet. As you light up our faces, would you bring us to the people who need you the most, those who who you've called us to, those who we know and love, and those whom we haven't met yet. So come, Lord Jesus, by your spirit, fill us. Oh, precious Father, I just thank you so much for the gift of your son, the light he brings to this world. It just let it inspire all of us, God, to be lights to other people, let them know in this dark world that there's so much more. You're always right there. You'll never leave us. 
And I just pray that we'd all be confident in that, in your love, and that we would let our light shine. People would see your love through us, and it would bring them peace in places where they thought there was none. We praise you, God. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your presence, Lord, that whether we are here in this place at this moment, oh Lord, we are at our work or in our home, in another state, across the nation, across the globe, your light penetrates every crack and every crevice. And we are not alone because you are with us. Your presence shines on us and saturates us. And this is what we need. We need when we walk out of this place, Lord. Every time we see the light, every time we sense its heat, every time, Lord, it washes over us, we're reminded that you are with us. And we are humbled, Lord, that you have chosen us, Lord, to go and be your representatives, your ambassadors. We yield ourselves to you, Lord, and we know that you are working through us. You choose to do that because you love us. Help us to love others as you love us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yes, and, and so now as we turn to worship, as we're just focusing on you, whether we can know it or feel it or not, I pray that you would be filling us. Actually, I pray that many of us would feel it. We would sense your light coming into us. We're going to just turn to you and focus on you and sing to you and pray to you and worship you, but we ask that you, who is our light, would fill us with light during these moments together now. In Jesus' name.